Hello, everyone, and welcome again to another edition of Wednesday Night Live. My name is Ron Crawford. I am the pastor of the Father's Church in Dallas. For those of you who may have stumbled onto our site and you're wondering who this guy is who's talking to you, uh, we welcome you and to all of our church family at the Father's Church and to our extended Saints Network family. I pray that God's blessing is still continuing to um, overtake you. That's what's been happening uh, during these weeks of sequestering, and um, it's hard to believe that now this is uh, <laughs> this is becoming quite a habit uh, for us to be meeting in in this way, as opposed to being able to to um, have the gatherings that we. Uh, enjoyed and will continue to enjoy in the future um, just being in church with people I mean what a what a novel what a novel idea to be able to come and just be at church um, but God is good and um, we're going to look at this um, and during this session at something that I believe the Lord is is really saying to us right now, and that is that this time frame is so unfathomable, just so unusual, and um, it's something that is a sign for the church, for the saints. It certainly is a sign for the enemy in the world, and um, we need to be utilizing this moment, not by giving place to fear, not by every man for himself, but by saying, Father, what is it that you're doing? What is it that you want us to be doing so that we are prepared in our partnership with you for what is coming? And I know that God has earmarked this year as a year of great blessing. And I know that God is already blessing his people in amazing ways. And I know that God's blood, the blood of Jesus, is upon us and we're being shielded and protected from the destroyer. And I think that while um, God has allowed this, this worldwide assignment of uh, the enemy, because the enemy really feels he's done this, and the enemy being as presumptuous as he is, uh, is looking at all the ways he's preparing for the, the eschatological times that are prophesied in Scripture. He thinks that he has won a great victory here. You, you have to know that about the enemy. He is, he is pushing forward. His people think that they have really done one on the church and that they have hindered the timetable of God and the things that were prophesied and the things that God has said he's going to do, that somehow the enemy has thwarted them. But the point, though, is, is that the enemy always thinks that. And God is always turning those things intended for evil to the good. And if you read the Bible for any other reason than to just cherry-pick promises, you see that Miracles happen because the people of God uh, seem to be defeated. 
uh, a miracle occurs when there doesn't seem to be any other way and there there appears to be certain defeat but God's miracle comes in that's what makes it a miracle the dunamis power of God the function comes because something seems to be in dysfunction and so right now we need to be looking at every one of these things that is happening that is uh, seeming to be um, uh, a hindrance or a block and we need to be rejoicing because not only is God going to do what he said he's going to do but we're going to be blessed during this interim period and what eventually happens is going to be so much more complete <clears throat> than what initially we thought which is why Eye has not seen, ear has not heard, neither has it entered into the heart of any person. The glorious things that God has reserved for those who love him. Um, even with the prophetic insights and the things that have been so uh, ardently declared, when opposition comes and the sevenfold flee happens, um, we never anticipated the bounty of the promise. We may have had a glimmer but we, we, we just need to hold out for the overwhelming blessing that God has in store. And um, whatever he's promised, he's going to do. So let that mind be in you. The joy set before us, we have to keep looking at. And that joy is the fulfillment of the ways of God, which is what joy is in the Old Testament and subsequently then the springboard into the new covenant so what the lord put on my heart for us to do during this time of of study of the word is to look at a number of the times certainly not all of them because this is throughout the scripture but we're going to look at a number of times where God brought his people up to a point of great victory, and then there was a pause, kind of like a sila in the timetable of the Lord. But I wouldn't even go that far because it's, it's a pause, it's a waiting. And we're going to look and see what God requires of his people during those times. And we're not looking at it just from a theoretical standpoint or from an intellectual pursuit or, or even a biblical study pursuit, as good as that is. These are rhema things for us to be doing right now. So I just simply declare the blood of Jesus over all of us that if there's been any mindset of fear or, or lackadaisical view or if you maybe have drifted into the mindset of the world or of or of those people who aren't um, really walking in the depths of the Spirit, if you've drifted into that in any way, shake that off now. And let's hear what the Spirit of the Lord is saying to His saints. And again, there are so many of these in Scripture. If I leave out one that you just can't live without, well, you just rejoice in studying that for yourself. But this... Um, I don't want Wednesday Night Live to become Wednesday night way too much. <laughs> so uh, we're just going to look at some of them. The first one is Joshua chapter 1, 
hopefully you have uh, the outline there. Uh, verses 14 and 15, the, uh, to, uh, to the tribes that were going to be on the east side of the Jordan, the word said, Your wives and your little ones and your cattle shall remain in the land which Moses gave you on this side Jordan, but you shall pass before your brethren armed, all the mighty men of valor, and help them, until the Lord hath given your brethren rest, Nuach, as he has given you, and they also have possessed the land which the Lord your God hath given them. Then shall you return into the land of your possession and enjoy it, which Moses the Lord's servant gave you on this side Jordan before the sun rising. Now, we know that the people came up to the Jordan before they entered into the land of promise, and they purposely waited. There was a series of several days there that God commanded and they were supposed to be resting. And that is a nuach, which means that they weren't just kicking back and um, taking a siesta. They were enjoying the presence of God. They were enjoying his goodness. They were gaining strength, yes, but there is a, there is a, there's a skill to resting in the Nuach of God. And we've said so many times over these past number of weeks, the presence of God is so rich, it's so wonderful, and He is. But it's, to me, part of this particular provision where the people were waiting. And, you know, you can, you can think in this story, um, when the people first came out of Egypt, God led them to the banks of the sea and made them wait. And we know that it was so that Pharaoh could catch up and the greatest victory could come where the enemy soldiers and the army of Egypt was destroyed. Um, but, and that may well be part of what's happening right now, but then even after the people were resting in the Nuach of God and they came in, they went to Gilgal and their God caused the circumcision to occur and they waited again. So just one of the things that you've got to know, and we're going to see this in the scriptures that I selected as the Spirit led me, is that so often before a great breakthrough and a great victory, God has his people rest. He has them wait. And again, it's not just so that they can get their strength up. It's so that they can commune with him and participate in his, his ways. Only God could say, I'm bringing you to this promise, but before it comes, I want you to wait. Only God could do that. I mean, we would say, okay, here's the promise. Here it is, and go ahead and enjoy it. God says, okay, here's what I'm going to do, but I want you to be in my spirit. Don't get in any hurry. You just wait on me. Because again, we've said this so many times, God is not in any way in doubt concerning what he promised. It's more important to him that the journey is enriched and that you learn to 
enjoy him and he you and that you are experiencing fellowship with him because the prophecy is not in doubt you know one of the verses that i didn't write here was from habakkuk where it said write the vision make it plain and tarry for it it will surely come you know god tells us something and then we sila and then the promise comes god brings us to a point and he says wait and then a suddenly of provision comes but it's about god wanting us to know him and for him to know us uh, patience being the first sign of the apostolic before power and works are done um, god is not in any hurry because the result is never in question and so we need to we need to recognize that and so god has said a lot of things about this year and i have no doubt that the enemy thinks that he's changed the times i have no doubt that the enemy feels that he has put the whammy on what god has said about this year of wisdom but the point is that god can do everything that he would do in a 12-month period in a week or in a moment. He's not bound. All he wants is for us to trust him and to remember what he said and to enjoy him. Uh, I know that there's a lot of pain in the world. I know there's a lot of fear in the world. I know that people have lost lives. I know that there have been things that have happened that are just painful to imagine the way that some have suffered but i also know that this is a time where we are under the shadow of his wing and some of the greatest blessing we will ever experience in our life is being conveyed to us right now so again you have the choice of giving place to the world given place to those people who keep calling you trying to sow fear into your life you can you can give place to the loneliness and the the angst that the enemy will try to find in an area of vulnerability in your iniquity you can you can just be downcast in warfare i mean there are times where the enemy presses in and and you just feel like you're being surrounded you just hold on and rejoice uh, you cannot give place to the enemy. God is in control. And we choose to re believe the report of the Lord. So the going into the land of promise, God first said, rest. Know my nuach. Know my spirit. Know my wonder. And I wonder if... That's not what happened with Adam and Eve, because every day God would come in the nuach of the day, the cool of the day, or the nuach of the day. We kind of think, oh, that's in the evening, just because that's the way it is in Texas and in other places where it it's just gets cooler, you know. Um, but it doesn't say that it was in the nighttime. 
I suspect that the cool of the day was in the morning. I suspect that before God had Adam and Eve go out and do whatever it was they were going to do with him or on behalf of him, that God's Spirit came and they didn't do anything until they met with him. That's what I suspect happened. And um, I, I think that um, that's really where we are right now. So embrace the presence of the Lord. Embrace patience. Um, you know, I, I look at, um, I look at things that we had scheduled. And for instance, this weekend, there was supposed to be a gathering in Brazil at a, at a church that was hungry and excited to welcome ministry from a very small team um, in numbers, not short people. <laughs> hey, you. Hey, you short people. Come over here. We, got, we need a small team. Um, and we, we were planning to incorporate Pastor Luciano's church and his staff and his people as those that would come alongside and minister at this church. And there were other pastors who were going to come to these meetings. That was canceled. I mean, I couldn't go if even if I had really said God wants us to go regardless of what is happening because there's no flight going there now. American was didn't just canceled. They didn't even write me to tell me they were canceled. They just canceled. So, um, but I'm not worried about it. Uh, we're, we're praying about what to do regarding France next month. You know, President Macron addressed the nation just the other night, and um, it's, it's, you know, we can't barge in to Europe if they're closing the doors to us. What are we going to do? Lament? No. God's going to do what he's going to do. There's a great blessing coming to Europe and to Brazil. I'm believing for the gathering in June in West Virginia and Ohio. We're praying. We've been praying about that. I'm studying hours a day and praying. I'm serious. Studying hours a day, historical documents that I've been able to glean on the internet and in books about that region and what all it entails. And I'm not giving that up. God is going to do what he's going to do. And we're not worried about it. So if you can't do anything other than trust the Lord, well, then trust the Lord. If your way is invariably blocked and you can't travel, well, God knows that. Why should you sit there and rev your engines until you have an overheat? Trust the Lord. That's patience. And God loves patience. God loves for us to wait. So, anyway, and, and in fact, the perspective of God is, hey, if this disease that's trying to destroy nations, uh, it's not bothering God. God's using it in so many ways. And we're going to emerge not only with what God has promised, but much more than we could have ever asked or thought. So we just trust in his patience. And believe me, that's been something God's been trying to work in me 
for this apostolic mission. You know, when I say I'm going to do something, I'm going to do it. I mean, I so often have sworn, it's what the scripture says in Psalm 15, you swear to your own hurt and change not. If I say I'm doing something and I'm not patting myself on the back, this has been what our network has had to do. If we promise something, we're going to do everything we can to do it. And if some technical glitch or problem happens and we can't do it, I feel awful about that. Because, you know, you're only as good as your word. And so... I just know that if if anybody needs to lay this at the altar of patience, it's me. It's It grieved me initially that we weren't going to be able to honor this trip into Brazil right now. I'm writing to this pastor this afternoon and speaking blessing over them, and we're going to ask for our network tonight to pray for Pastor Philippe and all of the church, Interpreter Franklin's church, we're going to ask God to bless them abundantly. In Luciano's church, what God wanted to do, let it be just poured out upon them even now. We don't have to be there for God's blessing to overtake them. It's God's blessing anyway. So, it, it put, but to have to say, okay, we're not, we're not going to go, it's not because we're afraid or fearful. It's just we can't. Um, so... Um, Trusting that to the Lord is, is something that from my spirit I have to learn to do. And so God's working that, and he's working it in you too. I mean, even the restrictions that have been placed upon us as a network and its church, churches in our travel and our gathering, um, even today, the Lord spoke to me about two new things that he wants us to do. By the time this is over, we're going to have seen so many new things that we weren't doing before that God has added to us. And we'll parse through them to see, okay, was this a, uh, was this a wartime measure or is this something that wartime has has caused us to expand through innovation. And now we've got a new arrow in our quiver. We'll see. But we're not sitting on our hands saying, woe is me. We're blessed by God. Even, even in this past couple of weeks, you know, you heard the testimony that, uh, that Les read from Nancy and Rick Dushan. You know them. How that God has just poured out an, an amazing blessing upon them with their with their ancillary business that that the bees knees truck and and going out and uh, that that's a blessing from the Lord Ken and Ruby I, I announced about that um, uh, Ken is not only working but a new job is opening to him and something that's going to be much better that all happens right now when everybody's in drawdown well God's not in drawdown and the blessing of the Lord is, is, is here. And so that measure of patience and just trusting the Lord when you are on the precipice of the promised land, why would God say, okay, you're here at the river, now I want you to just sit here with me and nuach with me? Hey, that's God. The greatest blessing for those people would have been for them to become so enamored with God that they would enter that land enveloped in his presence. 
That would the, that, the land is nothing without the presence of God. In fact, once, once they abandoned the presence of God, they lost the land. So this is what God wants. The victory is not at risk. The promise is not being challenged. God's going to do what he said. We need to write the vision, make it plain, and tarry, for it will surely come. That's Habakkuk, or as Coleman would say, Habakkuk. Let's uh, let's look at the next one, and I keep re- speaking about this, but I mentioned it the other day on um, Saints Radio. Um, Pastor Larry spoke a couple of years ago on the Sunday following seminar here at our church, and um, he referenced Isaiah 6. And Isaiah, uh, my favorite Old Testament prophet, uh, Samuel is is a 1B of that. Um, In the year King Uzziah died, that was a transitional moment. And um, we've studied about this and read about it, and... um, but here we have this transitional moment. What was Isaiah doing? He was in the temple. And he was waiting on God. And there he saw Yahweh sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and the kanaf of his robe filled the temple. And the long and short of it is, is that at that moment, he, he said he was a man of unclean lips. There was iniquity there. And a seraph went and took a, a pavement stone from the altar and touched it to his lips. And I, I'm so grateful for that rhema word from Pastor Larry because I think that was a rhema word for what our network was going to be encountering over the next couple of years and a devotion to our calling, not just to the burning, not just to the sacrifice, but to the foundation of our calling, which is eternal, which is heavenly. And I think that God wants us to have, while he's here in our presence, his presence is here where we are, we need to have him touch us. We need to enjoy him, but we need to be recalibrated to the purpose of his altar. And that altar where um, the, um, the incense is burned is what we need to be touched by. Now, I wasn't intended to talk about this right now. In fact, I was just going to scoot on ahead. But this, this was a heavenly visitation. And if you know anything about seraphs, you know that the seraphs in heaven are assigned to the altar of incense. That's where they are. There's no, there's no blood sacrifice being offered up up there. You know, there's no bulls being sacrificed up there. The, the one true sacrifice has already been done, and that's our Lord Jesus. And the only bullish thing that's happening is us plowing and inquiring in the temple, which is what David said, and that's what we're to be doing. So the seraph is assigned, it's a fiery angel, 
to that altar of incense where the prayers of the saints are offered along with the incense of heaven, which is the 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 the, the ways the for the ways of God. We we studied about incense written on that and those ingredients speak about what we do as intercessors. And so for a seraph to be there, they he was being touched by the 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 firmament stone of what is offered in intercession, what is offered as a saint, and what is offered on behalf of the heavenly mission. That altar in heaven is between the throne of God and the temple of the tabernacle of testimony. And so this was an eternal thing, which is why I believe once that touched Isaiah's lips, it's why Isaiah was the Old Testament, New Testament book, because he saw things about Jesus coming. He saw things about the sacrifice of Jesus. He saw things about the line upon line, precept upon precept. He saw things about um, the report of the Lord. He saw things that were beyond the law and beyond the Old Testament prophets. Why? Because he had been he had been recalibrated by an eternal perspective. And this is a very important thing for us to to recognize. And I think that we need to, as those that are contributing to um, to intercession of the saints in this hour, and what's going on between the throne and the temple, um, I, I just think we need to ask God to keep touching us with that firmament stone so that we will be honoring the essence of why God built that thing, why God created that altar in heaven. And I'm grateful for that. I'm grateful for that. And so because of that then, he, he could answer when God said, whom will I send? Who will go for me? And he said, here am I in verse uh, Isaiah 6, 8. Here am I, send me. This is what we as saints are doing. You realize that. We are interceding. We are representing Yahweh, his plan. We are in love with Elohim. We are moving on behalf of partnership with the angelic to accomplish what God is doing in these days. We are praying through the power of diversities of tongues and through prosuke what God has ordained for this particular season. And we say when God says, I have a mission here, and the only way we can hear that mission is because we're praying about it in mysteries and God is whispering it to us. And we say, here am I, send us. This is what we need to be believing for in this hour. But there again, Uzziah was dead. And Isaiah was about to enter into a new dimension of ministry. And um, this is what God said. You, um, you come. And before I do this, I'm going to come to you. And I'm going to commune with you. That's what the Spirit of the Lord does before a new thing transpires. It's not just, bless God, it's God's timing, here's the Spirit, you're going to run through a troop and leap over a wall. 
you know, you what are you going to do when you get to the other side of that wall and pass the troop if you don't, if you've not been changed? You know, when Solomon was visiting with the Spirit of God, with God Almighty at the dedication of the temple, all of that discussion about being a partner with God in grace. When Saul was anointed as the first king, God changed his heart. He laid on his on the ground prophesying just bare before the Lord. You know, we need to recognize that before a kingly commissioning and before really going forth, God wants to commune with us. So this waiting on God right now is not God pushing his white hair over his head thinking, oh, i got to think real hard now. What am I going to do? I didn't see this, this coronavirus coming. Those Chinese, as slick as they are, they even hid it from me. Oh, you're being insensitive. You're racially insensitive. No, I'm not. If you think, if any of you think that, I rebuke that right now. You know, you better think right now about what the communist system in China represents and how they molest the church and, and that, that wickedness that is embraced where they are big brother personified and all the lies they told about this disease and how they hoodwinked the World Health Organization. It's not racism to say, look what this nation has done. So, God forbid we say that the Chinese did this. We pray for a great move of the Spirit. I remember when God allowed us to go into China and to stand in those holy places in Beijing and to lift up the presence of the Lord. I remember what I felt in the spirit realm. I remember what I saw about their understanding of the spirit realm. The enemy is entrenched there, but the people of God are going to rise up. So God's not baffled by this or by the enemy machinations. So let's just enjoy the presence of the Lord. We're going to see great breakthrough, and China's going to see a visitation of the Spirit of God greater than anything they've ever imagined. Um, when Elijah won the great victory on the mountain, and Jezebel spoke in, in 1 Kings 19, um, Jezebel spoke a threat to um, Elijah's life. And, you know, you've, you've got to separate what Jezebel did and Elijah's fear and what God really wanted to do at that point. If anybody thinks that Elijah should have wheeled and went right into Jerusalem and started swinging that sword that he'd killed the 850 demonized prophets with, uh, if, if, if you thought he was going to go in there and mount an insurrection and old Jehu was going to ride in fast on his chariot and they were just going to take the palace by storm, what are you thinking? I mean, somewhere in the midst of what doest thou here, Elijah? And, um, you know, him saying, you know, I'm not done anything. I'm not worthy. I'm no better than my forefathers. If you don't think that God wanted to meet with him then, think again. God was going to give that spiritual settling time to 
to evolve a little bit. It was always God's intent for Elijah to come alongside Elijah. It was always God's intent for Syria to be mobilized with a visitation of the Spirit. It was always God's intent for a new regime to take over in, in the land of promise. But God wasn't in any hurry to do it. He just broke the drought. He just wiped out the, the demonic religious structure. So God was just not in any hurry then. But Elijah was de dealing with some issues. And it may have been that God was wanting to deal with those issues. And when Elijah came to the mouth of the cave and the still small voice spoke and um, the, the voice instructed him to wrap his head with his mantle, to shut out everything and remember what God was, was calling him to be and to do. That whole business of the rocks being split and the lightning and the bombastic demonstrations of fire could it be that God was sharing the timetable? Look, I have just done things in the spirit realm that you were part of, and now I'm wanting to commune with you in a still small voice. I'm not in the action. I'm in the presence. That's why it says God was not in the wind. God was not in these other things. But I'm in the still small voice. I'm wanting to talk to you. I'm wanting to take you into the next stage. And before, before the transition that God ordained could occur, I really believe it was God's intent to just meet with Elijah. And we are left with this kind of awkward encounter. I'm not judging Elijah. I feel badly for him, but I do know that we're we're there. You do you realize that over the past several months, even before this pandemic hit the world, we were in war. I mean, I I don't remember a time where I fought as much as I did in the spirit realm every day every night battling physical symptoms battling the accusations of the enemy the threats of the enemy and then god brought victory he laid out a series of dreams for me and i i know that god brought victory the victory is evident for me and so the fire and the splitting of the rock and the enemy put to flight for me all of that already happened. And so in some ways, I feel a little bit like Elijah, where I thought, man, we're going to go out from here now. We've got the seminar in March, and man, we've got it laid out. We're going to see this victory in, in Brazil, and then a victory in France, and then a victory in our United States of America, and for North America, and then we're going to go into the Amazon, and we're going to see... And, and those are the things we know. You know, I was ready. And I'm ready. And God says, I want you to stand here. All of these things that I told you, all of these things that I've done, 
I'm not in any of them. I'm here. I'm going to do everything I want to do, but I'm more interested in you and in these saints. So stand here in the mouth of this opening. Remember the calling and know that you're going to, as a network, represent me in the nations. And I'm not in any hurry. Let the enemy be in a hurry. His time is short. You're with me. Remember what I've called you to do. And I think that's where we are right now. Yeah, you know, I had to power down the engines, and many of you did too. But we're going to be positioned, we are positioned in a better way than any of us have ever imagined. And you know, what we shared over the past couple of weeks uh, when Jesus within Gethsemane, all the words that we saw him apply in his own life and what he cautioned and counseled his disciples to do. Remember, you're aligned with Abba, his eternal purpose. Remember, you know, the enemy thinks he's coming in. It's astonishing in some ways. You've not seen this kind of thing before, but meet it with proskuneo. Meet it with Tetheme before God and um, hear from him and hear from God and prosukomai. And be careful in Matthew 26 to be, uh, verse 41, be aligned, watch in the spirit realm, be Gregorio, and be prepared so that when you launch forth from here, you don't succumb to the traps and the temptations that the enemy would like for you to succumb to. Now, you know, you think about what happened with Peter denying the Lord three times and all the other guys skedaddling and being in mourning and fear. Some of that positioning God wanted because, again, I believe that it wasn't God's intent for any of the disciples to give their lives right then. There was only going to be one sacrifice during that week. There was only going to be one lamb sacrificed. And God was not going to permit Peter or James or John or even Thomas to be sacrificed right then. Because then, dear God, what would the universal church have done? You know, it may not have bumped Mary out of the Queen of Heaven place, but people would have been worshiping whoever it was that gave their life. God was going to preserve the one lamb being sacrificed. But these guys sure could have been in a better position had they been watching and entering into supplication and prosukamai. I'm not faulting them, but Jesus said, so you don't enter into temptation. Peter, you didn't have to deny the Lord. Mark, you didn't have to skedaddle out of the garden naked. Um, the rest of you guys don't need to be hiding out behind locked doors, scared out of your wits. But be that as it may, God turned it for the good. But we need to remember what they should have been doing and what we should be doing in this time. Commit yourself to the internal purpose of God. Remember that you're partnering with him. Proskuneo. Um, submit your tethemes in the new covenant of his blood. 
uh, be aware and alert in the spirit realm and um, be ready to be equipped and forewarned and trained so that when you emerge from this, you're not, as the as my dad used to say, the enemy doesn't see you coming. You know, be be ready. And God wants us to be ready. So use this time accordingly. What about um, what about when the promise of the Father was given in Acts one before the birth of the church, before the release of unknown tongues? You know, uh, in Acts one, the Lord commanded these folks to go into Jerusalem and wait. For the promise of the Father. Now, wait there is perimeno. It's only used once in the New Testament. You would remember that meno is abide. It's it's the root function of abiding. It's you taking a stand, representing God. It's not you just laying there cooing before God. Oh, I'm just abiding which in some ways just for some people thinks, well, I'm not doing anything. I'm just like a leaf in the wind. You know, and we should abandon ourselves to the presence of the Lord, but abiding is so much more than that. And para means, P-E-R-I, means to be circumspect, to be aware. And so Jesus says you go, you offer supplication in Jerusalem, and you wait for the suddenly of God. But don't just be there. You be partnering in supplication and you be aware of what's going on and you take a stand. You welcome the presence of the Lord and you take a stand in the place where he's called you to stand. Um, so that's something as well. You know, if, if the church was born in this way, and it was, so we as the ecclesia of the Lord, when God is pouring out new dimensions of responsibility and equipping. We need to do this again to take a stand and abide with him. That's a good word. Now, I like this next one. I like all of them. There's so many more we could talk about. But um, fetch a compass. And... Um, um, Let's, let's read this. 2 Samuel 5, verse 17. When the Philistines heard that they had anointed David king over Israel, all the Philistines came up to seek David. David heard of it and went down to the hold. The Philistines came and spread themselves in the valley of Rephaim. David inquired of Yahweh, saying, Shall I go up to the Philistines? Will you deliver them into my hand? And the Lord said to David, Go up, for I will doubtless deliver the Philistines into your hand. David came to Baal-perazim, and David smote them there, and said, The Lord hath broken forth upon mine enemies before me as the breach of waters. And he called that name Baal-perazim, which really means that there is a, um, a parats, a breakthrough uh, against Baal against the demon that was the preeminent force of the of the Philistines. That's great. And there they left their images, and David and his men burned them. 
And the Philistines came up yet again and spread themselves in the valley of Rephaim. And when David inquired of Yahweh, he said, You will not go up, but fetch a compass behind them and come upon them over against the mulberry or the balsam trees. And let it be when you hear the sound of it going, of a going in the tops of the mulberry trees, then thou shalt bestir thyself, for then shall Yahweh go out before you to smite the host of the Philistines. And David did so and the Lord, as the Lord commanded him, and smote the Philistines from Gibeah, even unto Gezer. What does this mean? We like to commemorate the sound in the tops of the mulberry trees. And that just means be sensitive to the wind when God says to go. But what about this fetch a compass business? David had just won a great victory in this same battle, in this same valley. And God even named the place, you know, God gave a, a parats. And there's breakthrough. And the, the, the enemy is gone. Wouldn't it have in, in human sense, wouldn't it have made sense to say, you know, there's more where that came from. You know, come on back again. I'll, I'll, I'll give you another whooping. In the mind of man would have said that. You know, we just beat them this way in this same place and Yahweh fought for us. So David asks and he has to wait. Who wants to wait? We just beat him. Fetch a compass. Now that's a weird word. It's used five times. The, the, the phrase that, or the idea of it is used five times. Now they didn't have a compass back then. You know, they didn't get it out of their Cracker Jack boxes. And it just means to, the, the best way to describe it is to encompass. And instead of going in the way they fought the first time, David was told by God to go around them and encompass them, to go a different way, in a different tactic, in a different battle array, to not trust the way you came and won so greatly the first time, to go in a way that the enemy wasn't expecting. Boy, doesn't that, doesn't that kind of, confuse the issue you know especially when you've been marching you've been seeing God moving in the nations and you've got your battle array all laid up and and God says you know yes I've given you new continents I've given you this and I promised I'm going to do these things and then God says all right I want you to wait now you wait till my wind blows but I want you to do things in a different way than what you've done so successfully with me. That's what fetch a compass means. You know, in, in the book of Acts, Paul uses this principle. And even in the King James, it says they fetched a compass when they were on a boat. And um, they came in around in a different way than, uh, than they normally would. And they came in safely. And so I think God is causing us to fetch a compass right now. And um, it's the battles, the Lord's, it's not ours. And he's saying, wait, don't go the way my plan laid out for you originally. You, you wait now. 
and you be prepared to improvise by my spirit. And when you hear the rustling in the top of these trees, the clapping of the hands of the leaves, that when my wind blows, then you go. So what do we do? We wait. We improvise. And we are sensitive to the voice of the Spirit. You say, well, why is God doing it that way? If it's the plan of the Lord and God broke through and all of these principles that we've learned, the Peretz and the Parats and the plan of Yahweh and the enemy being put to flight and burning up the idols of the enemy, that was great. All of these principles, deep pneumaticos, warfare principles, let's just roll them out there again. God says, thou shalt not go up. Boy, oh boy. David, the warrior, the sackbutt player, the liar player, he's, he's got, he, he, in the, the first game of this doubleheader, he smoked, he smote him. Well, let's just get back out there again. My bat's red hot. I'll slam two grand slams and go five for five. God says, nope, put your bats up, David, and uh, fetch a compass. Go around in a way that's different from what you did last time. And you just wait for me. Now, it wasn't just battle strategy. This was God wanting to see David obey and submit and wait and listen. Obedience is better than sacrifice. It's what Samuel told David's predecessor. And so, fetch a compass. That's what we got to try our very best to do. And we will. What about one of the famous ones? Uh, Isaiah 40, verse 31. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. A lot of stuff here. We've talked about how waiting is to intertwine. Don't just be watching the clock. I've stopped wearing a watch. I'm not saying I'm not going to wear them anymore. I've got some nice watches that have the little flashlights in them. I've told you about them. I haven't worn a watch in months, which is not not what I normally do. And I believe it's because God said prophetically, you're following my timing now. I didn't know it at the time, but God's timetable, it's, it was a prophetic thing. God is so good. I for me not to wear a watch when I have a bunch of watches that I just love is is it doesn't make sense. But you know, to ask people what time it is, people usually ask me what time it is. But I think God's saying prophetically, you need my timing. You need to be my goodly horse in battle. So to wait, while we're waiting right now, intertwine with God. It's what was used to talk about uh making a rope where you've got lots of different twine put together and a threefold cord and more is not easily broken. Intertwine with the Lord. But what about renew? This is a word that is Hebrew word halap. It's funny because it's strong 666. Isn't that weird? Of course, Strong's wasn't around when John heard the, the, the number of the beast. So don't go too far with it. I just put it there for grins. 
Some of you may look it up and write and say, oh, pastor, did you know that 666? Yeah, yeah, but I don't. I just think it's, maybe it's a little quirk from the Lord. Um, this word means to not just be replenished, to not just be uh, restored, but to pass on toward a second measure of growth. In fact, in, uh, in Hebrew, it went over into the language that the Turks used to talk about the caliph or their ruler, somebody that is emerging in, an, in a greater measure of strength. No ruler for the Turks wanted to say, oh, yeah, you're just following Ahab the, the Arab, you know. You're, you're, you're just the new king. You'll never be as good as him. Every one of the rulers wanted to say, yeah, there's a new king in town, and I'm going to do greater things. So they used this derivation of the Hebrew word, which meant, yeah, I'm the new king, but I'm going to do things better and bigger. We respect him, but we're going to do better. And, you know, every parent that's not prideful wants their kids to do better than they did to know better things than they knew. And if you don't feel that way, we need to pray for you. And so when God brings you to a time where you're being renewed as the eagle, remember we've taught about this, how the eagle goes through that molting process, it breaks its beak and it, and it plucks out its feathers and it becomes vulnerable and helpless, and then it's going to be better and stronger than it was. And um, however you're overcoming, you're emerging with a greater power and a greater influence than you knew before. So when God is preparing you for the next phase of partnership with Yahweh, he doesn't want to just give you strength. He wants you through that intertwining place and being vulnerable and waiting on him to emerge with something greater than you were through his power through his energy. And so you're going to run and you're not going to be weary and you're going to walk. And maybe the last version of you may have been fainting, but you're not going to be fainting. Why? Because you intertwine with Yahweh and you are emerging greater than what was there. You, you may want to study that word a little bit. It's a good teaching on its own. See how it's used, but remember that it means to be better than you were and to see things in a more powerful way than ever. There's one verse that's actually in the next chapter that we want to look at of Isaiah, Isaiah 41. Keep silence before me, O islands. And let the people renew their strength. There's that same phrase. It's the koach of God, the power of the throne of God. You are being renewed by divine edict. Wow, that's, that's a sermon in itself. And here it's repeated. Chapter 40 says it, and then chapter 41. Let the people renew their strength, and let them... Uh, let them come near and let them speak. Let us come together to judgment, to mishpat, to apply the spirit of judgment and burning. So, but again, keep silence before me. Keep silence. This is where God has us. 
We're being reformed and equipped in a new way. Not just getting replenished, as wonderful as that is. Not just being uh, restored or whatever, whatever was stolen being brought back. All of those things are great. Those are promises too. But in you being entwined with God, the power of the throne of God in combination with his divine edict and will is causing you to emerge from this season in a greater way than what you were. That's what it means to renew your strength, to renew the vitality of the choach, of the throne of God, the ultimate power. And you're going to run and not be weary. You're going to walk and not faint. And you're silent before the Lord now, but the islands are going to know this. Why the islands? Because Israel was supposed to go forth, not just in that little sliver of land. They were supposed to break forth to the east. They were supposed to go out through the Mediterranean. They were supposed to see the kingdom of God move in power. Sadly, the only ones that really knew it were those tribes like Dan who were in the ships, being traders, commercial. That's, that's sad. But, but God wants us to know that whatever we projected as far as taking the kingdom on behalf of the Lord, God is preparing many new places that we didn't even imagine, and that's before us. Um, the last verse is another one of these. This, this is, I don't know the name of the woman who sings this, but we, forgive me, but it's a song of Solomon, chapter 2, verses 11 through 13. Oh, the winter is past, the rain is over and gone, the flowers appear in the earth. Well, well the rain is over. This is this word, renew. And what it really means is winter is past. We're breaking forth into a new season of harvest. And all of these things that are said here are, are part of this renewal process. And um, I didn't see this, but I don't feel bad about it. What we did see is that God is going to do everything he's going to do. And the most important thing prophetically that we can be doing is what we just talked about. Nuach with the Lord. Be renewed by the Lord. God loves to do things in a way that is beyond what we could ask or think. Um, you know, Paul, remember when the um, come over into Macedonia and help us, the, the, the man at night who spoke, and Paul redirected the course that they were fired up to go in, and instead he went into Macedonia, which changed the course of world history. I don't know what all God's going to do. And really, the only thing that we should be wanting to know right now is two things. The first is that everything God said he was going to do 
he's going to do. But the caveat to it is that in this time of waiting, in this time of communing, this time of intertwining with God, we are being remade. We're being renewed. And we're emerging stronger and with greater efficiency and with greater commission than we could have imagined. So this is not a time of, oh, woe is me, what's happening? God's protecting us. We are under the covering of the blood. We're communing with God. God is laughing at his enemies. God is, God is, is preparing a table. We are, we are, we're eating, feasting at the table of the Lord in the presence of our enemies. Know God. Enjoy him. Don't despise this day of his visitation. God is with you. Know him. And so I declare this over all of us. And in just a little while, if you're listening on April 15th, you should rejoice. This isn't tax day. It's been bumped. All of you people that wait and you file late, you've got more months to file late. You see, it's already brightening up. See, oh, God did this. Who would have ever thought that April 15th would be changed? And here it is. It's changed. Some of you are getting checks from the government to do nothing. Rejoice. It's great. The power of the Lord is protecting you. But the most important thing that can happen right now is for you to embrace the moment and to see that this is the way God usually moves. And in light of the fact that this unprecedented waiting is happening, what must God have in store? Do you see this? So, whose report will you believe? There are these scriptures that I've talked about, and there are so many more. Enjoy that study in these coming days. But in just a little while, April 15th, if you're hearing this now, our network and uh, our church here, the Father's Church, we're going to have a Zoom gathering at 6 o'clock Dallas time tonight. And I'm going to greet everybody. And the purpose of this Zoom is for us to stand together in solidarity. And, and we're going to go after this, after this Zoom meeting. It's going to be a brief meeting. And, of course, you should know never to believe a preacher when he says a meeting is going to be brief. But I anticipate it's going to be a brief meeting. It's going to build off of what we've just said, and we're all going to stand in agreement in prayer as a sign of solidarity before our God. We're going to welcome his presence. And we're going to say, Lord, we submit ourselves to you in this time of, of waiting and we're going to embrace this before the throne. And, and I believe that this is something that God has ordained and we're going to be in agreement before the throne in real time tonight. So hopefully you, um, you have received that Zoom connect. It's real easy. You just get the email and you connect. You hit the link and then you wait. But do it before six, don't like 10 till or so, and then wait and we'll all come on. We're not going to wait for everybody and their brother to come. 
If you wait till quarter after, you're probably going to miss what I'm going to say. You can still pray, but so enough said about that. And if by some chance you didn't get the email or the link, we'll contact us in some way. You can reach out to um, Ruby and I are here. Send an email, and we will try to get you the, the link. I thank Monica for doing this. She put the Zoom together. I appreciate it. Um, I'm not telling you to pester her, but hopefully you got it. Enough said. Father, thank you for this word. Help your people to, um, to embrace you. Help me to embrace you. And we look forward to what this unified time of prayer is tonight. And may your presence be readily among us. We thank you for this, Father. We love you. Accomplish everything during this season you want to. We're fetching a compass and we're waiting for the stirring of the leaves on those trees by your wind. What great things you have in store. It's wonderful to be able to partner with you in it. Thanks for this, Father. We love you and we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see many of you here in just a few hours and um, may God bless you all. Goodbye.